It's November 13th, and this is the Cream City Pacers Weekly Rundown. It is Friday the 13th. Is this more spooky than our Halloween episode? I hope everyone has had a wonderful week and you guys enjoyed the remaining beautiful warm days we had here in Milwaukee. I think it's officially going to be cold the rest of the year, so it's time to gear up and time to push through the cold, I suppose. But Abastoli, welcome to another weekly rundown. How are you this week? Good. I'm back to running. Um, You know, I sprained my ankle a few weeks ago. I've been kind of hobbling around. I managed 25 miles last week, and I would say I am back, which feels good. And what's even better than that is last week we had Tracy Johnson on the show, which if you haven't listened, it is super motivating. Talk about having excuses. Tracy has zero excuses. Uh, She's run for seven years straight. Uh, Funny side note, I had a friend text me and he said, I wouldn't run for one day straight. So kudos to Tracy. Yeah, seven years straight sounds like, oh, she runs four times a week. No, she she has run every day. My goal for the rest of the 2020 is to do a Peloton activity a day, which is so weak because she runs four miles a day. And I'm like, well, if I get a five minute stretch in on Peloton, that's a that's a check mark. I did it. So it's going good. I'm on day like, what is this? It's a week. It's exactly a week. Seven days. Feels good. Feels good. And I'm running again. And you're motivating me because you're marathon training again, which makes me want to stay in shape. So it's this thing when you see your friends doing well and you want to do well, so you stay in shape. That's why I like, for as much as we talked about social media recently, um, like Strava is great because it motivates you when you see other people doing well. So I I love it. It's like, whoa, look at, you're not on Strava, so I can't use you as a reference. But, you know, look at one of my friends. They're just crushing it. Like I got a buddy, my buddy Andrew Biddick in Fond du Lac. He's been, he's been running like every day, whether it's like just a mile or two, but he's been getting it in. He's dropped like 10 to 12 pounds in the last two months. It's like, yes, running's amazing. We know it. I'm on my running high horse again. Yeah. And Matt Thal mentioned that too. If you remember, he said that it's all about surrounding yourself with, running people and that that gets you motivated for sure that was yeah, a great no. show by the way so go listen to matt's if you have not um i just want to give a shout out that this show is sponsored by mimosa breakfast and brunch um it's uh abbas always telling me to fast forward here so let me hit the fast forward button there are two locations one in franklin and one in brookfield and they have delicious brunch food <laughs> Anyways, we By sent the way, out. We, a- are record- we are recording this on Tuesday, and it is before the announcement of Tony Evers. We have no idea what he's going to announce today. So, actually, by the time you hear this, maybe Mimosa will not be open for dining. But oh, we're hoping okay. that it will. <laughs> Let me rewind. We do not have a sponsor today. If you would like to sponsor the Cream City Pacers moving forward, you can email us at creamcitypacers at gmail.com. We are happy to talk uh, to feature your business on the show because we think it would be great. We would love to connect you to local Milwaukee runners. All right. We have a great show for you today. We're going to keep this short with Apostoli and I because we're bringing on um, 
a guest that I've been waiting to bring on since we started this show, uh, Chris Chavez. He is the founder of Sidious Meg Podcast. He is a fellow podcast host himself. He has done some amazing interviews with some amazing athletes, you know, not only uh, from around us, but through the entire world. He has traveled to the Olympic Games, to national races within the U.S. It's incredible. So, uh, and fun fact, Chris is a Marquette alumni, so... Kudos to the Milwaukee connection there. So we're going to get into our interview with Chris, but I can't go a week without hearing about your running apostoli, especially this week. I'm like trying to text you about something serious in my life, and I'm getting these photos of apostoli on a run, sending me photos of you running across a deer, probably like what it looked, 50 turkeys. So let me hear about this little nature run you went on. Yeah, no, that was today, actually. I, I went out, and, and I'm going past the parking lot, uh, like a big corporate building parking lot and I look in and I see a couple of turkeys and then I look as I'm moving I I see more and more in the in the in the viewing field I'm like hold on a second there's about 50 turkeys over here it's Thanksgiving season what the hell are they doing are they teaming up together so they don't get like massacred and like <laughs> is it um, protecting each other so I went and I took a video of that and then I saw a deer, which I've never seen a deer here in California. Uh, so that was that was kind of cool. It was actually a buck. And yeah, it was a great run. It's been great running out here. Uh, I had a great week last week, by the way. Uh, last week. So for, for all people that don't know, I've been doing the training plan that Matt Thal gave for us this past summer. So if we were supposed to, I was supposed to do the Lakefront Marathon along with Alex. I didn't get to do it. I had to uh, end my training. So I'm doing the same training plan. And this week, guess what run I had to do last week? Guess what run I had to do in the middle of my week? So instead of doing a challenge workout, I said, Matt, I'm supposed to do a different run. So can you please adjust my training for that on this particular day? Can you remember what it was? Can you guess what it was? I'm going to guess that it's our MKE Run for Justice event we put on earlier this summer. That is, uh, that is correct, yeah. So I did that one. It was very fun. Um, did pretty well, I think. And I, I did beat, just for, by a few seconds, our buddy and past guest, Manuel Merkt, um, who, you know, now I have to do an actual race. He challenged me to do an actual race side by side at some point in Milwaukee. So we'll have to do the MK run or whatever other distance we decide side by side. It sounds like he sounded very confident. He's probably in better shape than he was this past summer. So I probably shouldn't have taken up on his uh, on his challenge, but I guess we're doing it, Manuel. And also speaking of Manuel, probably at this point you can see it on our Facebook page. We posted a picture of Manuel that he sent to us where he is holding a leaf a fallen leaf from a, a tree. And he says, it is possible. So if you, do you, do you remember what, what this is about, Alex? I should know, but I'm blanking, so fill me in. I was blanking too. I was like, what you, why are you sending me this? And basically a few episodes ago, I was talking about how to keep myself entertained. I was trying to catch falling leaves while they were falling off the trees. <laughs> And I guess he, I guess he did it, and he sent me a picture and said, "This is possible." So, uh, thank you for listening, Manuel, and thank you for uh, taking up on the crazy challenges of the CCP world. Please don't look like a fool out there, though, doing it too much. 
That's that's incredible. I just I still envision you just like frolicking along the oak leaf trail, like catching leaves as they fall, saying, "Look at this beautiful autumn color." By the way, I never achieved it. He he's such a goal getter. Go listen to his past episode. This he's... well, let's be honest. Have we had one person on here who is not a go getter? No. Because no. we're all go-getters, go-getters. Speaking of go-getters, today's guest yeah. knows a lot about go-getters. A he is a go-getter, and he's spoken to a few. Yeah, Chris Chris, Chris is an amazing guy. I'm super excited to jump into this conversation with him. I, You know, it's kind of crazy thinking about, like, we started doing these weekly rundowns. Uh, the first week was January 17th, and when I kind of came to Apostoli with this at the beginning of 2020, I said, we need to start producing more content. Uh, listeners from day one, you know, we were posting episodes like every couple months. There was really no consistency. You know, we were just starting to figure it out. And we started doing these weekly, and we've done it ever since. We'll be coming up on a year in a few months, which is crazy. I mean, we're doing this every week, and we get to have amazing Milwaukeeans um, runners of all, all types, different groups, it's different ages. It's incredible. And, uh, you know, it's, it's Chris is doing this on a daily basis, whether he's doing podcasting, he's writing for sports illustrated, he's doing stuff for Sidious Meg, he's traveling. I mean, he gets to do this on an entirely different level. And the coolest thing about it is he started it from scratch and we're going to get into that with him. Um, but he, you know, he started doing this kind of like we started doing this and he's evolved it into something pretty cool. So see you on the other side. Today, we are joined by Chris Chavez, the founder of Sidious Mag, a writer for Sports Illustrated, a fellow podcast host, a Marquette alumni, and an avid runner. Chris, welcome to the Cream City Pacers podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It's good to to reminisce on some uh, Milwaukee and some some Wisconsin days. So I'm looking forward to this chat for sure. Yeah, this is this is exciting. So when when did when were you actually? Because you you were familiar with Milwaukee because you went to school at Marquette. What years were you in Milwaukee? I was there from 2011 to 2015. Um, and so for me, like growing up in New York City, like. That was the farthest west I'd ever gone when I went on like my tour for college. And when I decided to go there, a lot of the premise was just kind of try something new and and totally different. So uh, I decided to go study journalism at Marquette and uh, I went to Catholic school my whole life, whether it was middle school, uh, high school. So Marquette also fit into that. And then, you know, getting there, it was such a change of pace for me because, uh, being in New York, everything's just like, go, go, go and super fast. And then Milwaukee is just like, you come to a stoplight and there's like four cars and someone in the car would say something like, Oh my God, can you believe this traffic? And I'm like, guys, this is not traffic. I'd I'd get into arguments constantly about uh, bagels and pizza with people. And so, um, you know, I stand really hard for for New York. So uh, it was different. But I I will say it grew on me over time. And I miss it a lot. I I haven't been back in like three or four years now. And so uh, one of these days, once COVID settles down, once it's not cold, I'll make my way back to, to Milwaukee. Yeah, looking forward to that. Maybe uh, this is out, a little bit outside, but maybe we can get like a take the bridge run and get some more of your fellow New Yorkers over in Milwaukee. I think that could be a good time. 
I'd that would be really that. cool because like you know the other thing too is like i will i, I want to run the chicago marathon next year and the thing about running a marathon is sort of like you always want to have like a little bit of downtime right afterwards and make a little bit of a vacation out of it and mm-hmm. for me having you know been able to to run the world marathon majors uh internationally that's always more like a lot more fun because you can go to tokyo and then spend a couple days in other parts of japan you can go to berlin and spend some days in paris afterwards uh, but when you run Chicago, it's kind of like, all right, where am I going to go for a couple of days? And so I, I love Milwaukee. I'll have to pitch some of my friends to come on out. And so, you know, post marathon, I don't think there's a better place to go for just, you know, breweries. And, and then, you know, maybe if you like get your legs back under you, some easy miles in, in the city. So, yeah, I, I'll have to think of like when we could fit it into like a nice little like running trip. We could make a real nice running trip if it was around... If it was in the summer, I mean, there's like Summerfest. There's some real easy mm-hmm. stuff you could sell, sell your friends on to get you up here. But so you just did the World Majors in Chicago last year, right? Was was that your completion of it? So Chicago was my first one in 2013. I haven't done it since. I was supposed to do Chicago this year, um, but my last one was uh, Tokyo. The, the one to, to finish it off was Tokyo in mm. March 2019. Uh, but I did Berlin last fall that's that's the last marathon i've run uh but i hopped into to chicago to help a friend of mine out and then i also um i also ran i'm trying to think uh did i run some in new york i, I ran a little bit of new york uh obviously like hopping in for a couple miles here and there maybe isn't like the most uh encouraged or like the the like it's definitely frowned upon so um i've hopped in a couple times but i i'm not gonna make a habit out of it <laughs> That's great. That so, Chris. That's that's a lot of amazing races. That a little bit bigger than the Lakefront Marathon and the Milwaukee Marathon, right? I would say just a little bit. So you've quit. You've hit quite the big time. Um, I want to ask you: Have you heard of the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon? I have. I I know about the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon for sure. So for the people that don't know, uh, it's the assumption that anyone involved in the Hollywood industry. Uh, can be linked through their film roles back to Kevin Bacon. And it seems like we should be talking about the six degrees of Chris Chavez. Has anybody used that term? No, no one's ever done it. But like, it's funny because now I'm thinking it's like, it, could it be possible to link me to like some crazy like runners because I've done like so many of these like major marathons where I guess like I've been in the same race as like Kipchoge and Bekele multiple times. And so if they've lost to, I don't know, uh, someone like El Garouge in, in a race before, then like you can extend it there. And so um, I'm sure it'd go pretty far if, if, if we went that. And I guess that's the beauty of like participating in these world marathon majors. And, and not only that, but all your interviews and the people you've met. I mean, we're, we're geeking out. I mean, we have like a two degree of separation with Galen Rupp, Shalane Flanagan, Jared Ward, Des Linden, Usain Bolt. And that's just a few of like the hundreds of people you've talked to. So we can get into that later, but we want to kind of hear a little bit more about you, Chris. So we talked about Marquette. Where, like, where does running start from you? I mean, I know your, your whole life is based around writing about running and talking about running, but where did that come in for you? Yeah, it's funny because like you would think that I was like a high school distance runner and then all of a sudden like kept at it, maybe ran in college and 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 I'm still going and still chasing PRs. But really, it's funny when I was in high school, I went to Xavier High School up here in Manhattan. I was very 
average as a sprinter not even like a distance runner a sprinter and and I, I was thinking about this recently because I was talking to my high school coach and I asked him like what are your guys' plans for like the indoor season now because like running indoors currently sounds like an awful plan because you know the ventilation in an indoor facility is is awful and people are coughing left and right after a race like that doesn't sound like the safest thing in a pandemic so i asked him he's like are you guys going to be running at the armory and he was like no we're actually going to be maybe still hosting like outdoor track meets like in november and i'm like it's going to get cold and so the first ever track meet i remember running was an outdoor 400 uh in like late to mid-November and I remember I ran 78 for the 400 and after that I focused on the 200 and and I was struggling to break like 30 seconds and so nowadays like I could do that with ease and and sort of in practice but um, I was very very average by the time my senior year rolled around I got my 200 down to 25 one but I really wasn't into it and that's not like uh, any sort of time that would attract any sort of college attention so I pretty much said I'm done with running as soon as high school was over but then I got to college and I had a friend of mine at Marquette who went to high school with me and he was packing on a little bit of weight in the in the freshman year and everyone knows about the freshman 15 and especially in Milwaukee now you've got this freedom and this liberty and these breweries are awesome there's so much spotted cow and it's amazing um so like he was packing on the weight and I was like, I don't want, I don't want to get heavy right away. And so I started running and I started running like easy, you know, two to three miles. And I said, all right, you know what? I can run a 5k here and there, you know, for charity and all this kind of stuff. But then I watched the New York city marathon on TV and I was like, all right, well someday I want to do that. And I tried to submit to run the following year. So maybe like 2000. 12 um and i didn't get in and that also ended up being like the same year that hurricane sandy happened so didn't run the new york city marathon that year but so i had a whole year to like start to adjust to distance running and so i ran my first ever half marathon the goal there was break two hours i ran like 157 and then from there i got into the chicago marathon for 2013 um so i made that jump from 200 meters to 26.2 miles pretty quick and you know by the time i ran my first marathon which the goal there was break four hours didn't do it perfect conditions ran like 418 um, but that was Chicago and I really wanted to break this goal I've always wanted to do New York so like I had to do it again and then I ran New York the following year didn't go so great I got hurt in the middle of the race but still finished in like five plus hours so that's not the way I want to go out got to do it again and so I had this goal finally broke four hours um, in Boston, which I got into because a friend of mine was working for Adidas and like had some sponsorship bibs. So got in to do that. And then by the time I like I finished off Boston, I was like, well, that's three of the majors down. Like, why not go for the, the other three? And so um, over time, like it just became like a, a habit. And so uh, or just uh, a really like a big passion for me. Like it was an escape at the end of the day when I'm working uh, you know, from nine to five, getting out for an hour for a run feels amazing. And so kind of like over time, it's gotten, you know, for me being, I'm, I've gotten a little bit more competitive with it too, because, you know, in 2017, I found a team here in New York and then that really like elevated sort of like my training. So ever since then, like I've gotten so much faster and I've gotten like more dialed into like more structured training, but you know, from from those college days like it was it was just always fun for me to to just go out for for runs and at the same time like my 
my sort of like knowledge of the sport and like professionally also kind of like took off at the same time. Yeah, that's super interesting. Um, we, I think we kind of have, what would you say? I was totally similar stories that like we weren't, we didn't even run in high school. I, I played football and basketball. I mean, I started running. And if you've listened to the show, you probably know this. Uh, Cause my wife was like, Alex, you should come run with the running group in town. You should come run with the running group in town. At the same time, I was like, probably don't need to go up in shirt size to an extra large. So like, let's start running. Um, but it's, it's, it's amazing. So like what, like, I guess, what is your PR for marathon? Right I'm now, at 306 you know. now. I, I want to break three. Let's uh, and that go. Was the goal. Let's yeah. go listen to that, people. You said like a 418. Like, yeah. stick with it. Stick with it. That's the one thing and, we uh, like to preach. That, and we just thought that we were we had so much in common with you, and now you're talking about a 306 marathon. So at least yeah. we know it's possible. At least, at least we know we, we, can, we can get there at some point. So, so can you, t- if you don't mind, Alex, I, you mentioned a team. You joined a team in 2017. <laughs> What was yeah. uh, what what kind of a team is that, and how did that help you? Because you said it, it just propelled you. Is that like yeah. a training group or? So in New York, it's it's so interesting. Uh, the club scene here is just like ridiculous. Like everyone sort of belongs to some sort of team. Some of the teams out here are definitely like some are more social, where people just go to run with other people maybe once a week. Others are a little bit more competitive, um, and then like there's a mix of both. And so I happened to find that in 2017 through a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Tim Rossi. Like he invited me to go to. Uh, a track practice uh, with the Brooklyn Track Club, and they meet on Tuesday nights in Brooklyn. And I, I like went in the middle of like January or, or December of 2018 after the marathon, and I was just like, I haven't like worked out with a team in years, and so this was a fun thing for me to do uh, every Tuesday. Is just kind of like jump in a workout. It was kind of like you know 800s, you know Ks, and all that kind of stuff. And so um, for me, that was the first time I ever running really distance workouts too. So um, after that, maybe I ran like an indoor race or something like that, and I saw like some sort of like progress. And so I really stuck to it, um, and then joined the team full on by the time 2018 rolled around. And you know, from there, it's just really cool to have all these people who have very similar goals um there's all levels to you can have a five-hour marathon or you can have a sub four minute miler so you're gonna find someone to work out with no matter what and i think like some of the people i've met there have become like my best friends for sure um because you know maybe we're running on tuesday night track workout we'll do a tempo run on thursday and maybe we'll meet on saturday for like another workout or like a long run or something like that so um it's really kind of like it helps keep me accountable and you know there's just so many miles and so many memories that have been made along the way that it makes things easier to train for as well like in the summer training for marathon is so much easier when you have you know 10 12 you know 50 people also doing the same exact thing and so um yeah, I'm super lucky um, to have that sort of setup, and it's different, you know, because in other cities, um, some cities, you know, you, it's harder to find that. So, like, I'm, I know I'm very fortunate, and I'm super thankful at how welcoming uh, the community here in New York City has definitely been. Yeah, that's like incredible. And what what is like the group size of like a Tuesday night Brooklyn? Uh, workout yeah i haven't been back since march and that's mainly because you know pre-covid like what's like a 2019 summer scorching hot august day look it was getting it was getting pretty crowded on those tracks i would say like there's like 100 to 150 people on the track um you have people running in like 
lane eight and nine, <laughs> like maybe some of the slower groups. Um, definitely the faster groups are in towards one and two, some people in three and four and all that kind of stuff. So I haven't been back in months just because like, I really don't want to have to worry about being around so mm-hmm. many people. Um, and so I stick to like a much smaller group right now for the time being and definitely miss sort of like the, the days of, of being able to meet with like a whole full on team. But hopefully we get that back <laughs> next year. But yeah. And then there's like other clubs here in New York City who are kind of like the same size. But I would definitely say Brooklyn Track Club in total is probably something like 400 people. But not everyone shows up at the track at the same exact time. Like there's a morning session. There's like an evening session. Um, and so like it kind of depends on people's schedules. Yeah, we have running groups in Milwaukee. They don't get quite that big because we're not as big as New York. But I mean, Apostoli and I met through the running group and just like mm-hmm. you said, some of your best friends. And that's like the best part. It's like, it's is it really marathon training when every Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, you're showing up and you have friends or someone to run with you? And it doesn't feel like it. Like this summer when we were training for our marathons, it was... I was like mentally taking a toll because it was like, I got to do everything by myself all the time, find the motivation. There's no one there to drag your ass through a run. Like it's just you. So like, how was that running this summer for you with that going with the COVID going on in New York? Yeah. So this summer I really decided not to train for, for a marathon. Like I just couldn't get like fired up to do like a virtual marathon. First of like the logistics to have to map out like your own course and, and, and that kind of stuff was it, it was just too much sort of like for me, but I decided to like really ramp it down and focus on the mile. Uh, I did this actually before the Tokyo marathon where I didn't run like a fall marathon before that. And I just focused on like the mile and getting as fast as I could there so that, you know, when you do have to kind of like slow down for like a longer period of time, then locking into like one of the, that slower pace feels a, a little bit easier. And so, um, my goal for for the summer was just to chip away at my mile PR, which at the beginning of the summer was five thirteen. Um, and so you know, I time trialed like a five twelve, and then like I got into like an actual race on the track with like official timing and everything uh, because I was going to be the commentator. So I kind of like sweetened the deal, and I was like, well, if I'm going to commentate the race, like, do you guys mind if like right before I like solo like a time trial, and they're like, oh, we're all for it, and so like they they broadcast it as well, and so then I ran five oh nine, and so that's where I'm at. I haven't like given it another wow. shot since then, so. Um, you know, I chopped, you know, four four legit seconds off that PR. Still not quite at sub five, which is what I really want to do sometime. Um, but, you know, it's just making progress. And I think, like, anyone who's who's able to be healthy in this time time period and being able to, like, reap the benefits of some of that training, like, I, I don't think you can ask for much more. So, um, yeah, I've definitely shifted my focus a little bit more on speed. Definitely have no plans to, to run a marathon until maybe, like, late next spring or or maybe definitely chicago next fall but um i'm gonna run a 5k this this upcoming weekend um hopefully get close to 18 or or definitely under so um we'll see how that goes but definitely no no real plans to run a marathon anytime soon and 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 yeah all those adjustments probably if anybody asked you a couple years ago if you would be thinking you'd be doing this right now this past summer and right this moment you, you would have thought maybe it was a little uh, f- f- crazy. But um, speaking of that, speaking of adjustments, you've been covering the world of sports and covering the world of running. Uh, so, you know, and Alex and I, we started this thing called the Weekly Rundown, which, which is basically this show. 
uh, back in the beginning of the year and just a few weeks after we started and we were covering running news, local news. There was so much to talk about every week. Uh, and all of a sudden, we there's nothing to cover. And it, we're talking about you. You're, you're in this world stage and covering all these big events. Can you walk us through the adjustments you had to make through uh, both with uh, Sports Illustrated, but your magazine, Sidious Mag, your podcast? Because you had a lot to cover. And w- just walk us through it hit me super hard in August when I got a notification on my phone that like August, oh no, it was July, I think it was like July 22nd. I was supposed to be boarding a flight to go to Tokyo to go to the Olympics. And so I was like, ah, like this really hurts. Um, that would have been my second Olympics. And, and uh, I was really looking forward to it. Like for me, that's kind of like the way I operate is in blocks of every four years, just sort of like work really hard to to get on the Olympic team for Sports Illustrated and then go and cover it and do like the best job possible for those, you know, three to four weeks. And so um, it was uh, it was hard at first, you know, at the beginning of April, I would say, because everyone at the same exact time has to pivot and figure out what are they going to do? And especially what is Sports Illustrated without sports and what is Sidious Mag without like actual races? And so um very early on, it's it was a lot of stories of like, here's how this athlete is going through quarantine. But you can only do those for like a couple of weeks before you realize everyone has to do the same exact thing because you know now we're we're all stuck at home. We're all running solo. Um, some people are a little bit more fortunate to be quarantined with with training partners and that kind of stuff, so they might have that flexibility. But the gyms are shut down, so some people have to get creative. And so um, those were the early stories I would say from like April and stuff. And then at the same time, you have to stay busy with like keeping up with all these sort of cancellations like this is getting canceled that's getting postponed Mm -hmm. this is still on the calendar and the olympics like they held on for a while like i don't think they canceled until like late april and that kind of like put a lot of stressors on athletes because athletes were still like well the olympics are still on and like the olympic trials are still on the calendar i got to get out there and keep training or else like i'm not going to make this team and and that's my job and that's my career so um that added a little bit of pressure to people but once that got canceled everyone was kind of once again in the same boat it's like now what and so um that that's what i would say like march april sort of like was the was the focus of, of a lot of my coverage and then you know in late may uh june sort of when when there's a lot of protests uh going off in or, or across the country for you know the civil unrest and the racial injustice like I had to figure out what what I was going to do sort of in my boat. And and so, like, I put together, like, the longest piece I've ever written for Sports Illustrated, which was this project that I did where I interviewed 14 of the top track and field athletes, uh, black track and field athletes who have, you know, won Olympic gold medals, won at the world championships, have set world records. um, And I wrote this, you know, this story about them simply asking them three questions because, in, in my shoes, I, I realized I was like, I, you know, profile these athletes and, and write about them all the time at, about their, their accomplishments on the track. But like, no one has ever really asked them what life is like off the track. Like, yes, you can sometimes see 
documentaries and, and videos of like here's the lavish lifestyle that these athletes live but no one has ever really asked them sort of like what is their experience being black in America and so um, I did that and it was eye-opening and, and definitely like I just sat there and listened to all these accounts from all these athletes and then I wrote wrote up the you know in their own words sort of what what it was you know their experiences with racism what it means to them to be black in America and then what they hope to see in sort of the the change going forward and so you know that was the big thing I worked on in June and then from there like this this past summer it's kind of been a little bit more sort of like relaxed but I know that like I have to keep my foot on the gas sort of like it's um like I can't, I can't just press publish on that one article and think like I'm done so uh you know I've, I've written I wrote an article on like a, an Olympic fencer so like I went outside the running bubble for a little bit um but yeah, no, there's there's a couple other projects I've got in the works, and then with Sidious Mag, like, um, you know, it doesn't really, I, it doesn't really stop anyone from from producing podcasts, and that's been like the big shift that we did in 2000. I would say 18, 19 was sort of like I realized. I think our place in the track and media landscape is definitely, you know, I think in the podcast game. And so at this point, we're at like seven or eight shows that we have like in the Sidious Mag podcast network. And, and the show that I host, the Sidious Mag podcast weekly is the is the biggest show. Um, and so I interview athletes, coaches, agents, whoever, notable people within the sport on that weekly. Um, and when sponsorship dollars freezed up sort of in April is kind of like also like uh like sponsors just everyone financially but like it's a tough period of time um people wanted to put a freeze on like all right maybe we don't really know if we're going to be able to sponsor a podcast right now and at the same time it's like what are you going to even be talking about because like usually it's athletes and how they're preparing for races and all this kind of stuff and like or an athlete after like a really good performance but when nothing is really happening like what are you going to talk about and so on the podcast sort of I could have just stopped in April and then like I said I'll come back in like September when things maybe are back to normal but I realized you know I, I've built up so much good momentum over the past three years with with the podcast and and uh, for a lot of people too it could serve as a bit of a distraction from like all the craziness going on in the world and so um, I kept at it even though I didn't have a sponsor for like two or three months um, you know I took the time sacrificing sleep as usual to <laughs> to produce the the podcast and you know it's it's it held on like I, I, you know listenership across the board took a little bit of a dip because people no one's commuting anymore um, yes, but mm-hmm. but for the most part, it started to come back, and and I think sort of like right now we're we're almost back to normal on on listenership, and and it's it's been good because you know I, you get you have to get creative sort of in, in in these times, and so I think I've done a good job with that, and actually like I really I added it up just a couple of days ago, and I, I realized that in 2020 I've already edited 125 or 120 like eight uh, no no 130 something hours worth of podcasts in 2020 so i've stayed busy in, in, in like in all things considered so it's been it, it it's i you know that's my big thing too I, I was like this in college and in high school just constantly like finding a way to stay busy um and so yeah i think that's just kind of like the way i operate that um when you say how many hours you spent editing, I think we can relate to that. That is a ton of podcasts and a lot of shows to edit. So you are definitely staying busy. You know, speaking of like the Sidious Meg podcast, I mean, you get to talk to so many people. And 
You also have a lot of fun. I mean, over the summer, there was a lot of stuff going on that you guys did, like the the Gene Mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was like dribbling the basketball. I see here you t- did the, but it, it's Beer Mile. But it looks like the guy's drinking a bottle. Oh no, I thought that was a bottle of ketchup. But that's the Beer Mile, which right here in Milwaukee, that's our one favorite event to do every year that we did not <laughs> get to do this year, which I was super disappointed at. But there was a lot of just like in the space people doing crazy things that aren't normal. So how is like. Do covering some of that stuff. I mean, that's totally a fun thing, but it was a yeah, change of pace, I'd say. It was, it was, it's totally different. And like, right. I think the funniest one was definitely Johnny Gregoric finally taking like a stab at, at the Blue June Mile back in late <laughs> May um, because it was something that we conceptualized back in 2017. Paul Snyder, who was a writer for, for Sidious Mag, wrote this article about like, all right, track and field needs like a new fun gimmick. And so he's like, we've all run after our bu- a bus. We've all like found ourselves just like in jeans running as fast as we can. So why not try and do it on the track? And so he came up with the Blue Jean Mile. Someone tried it. And then from there, everyone kind of sees a time thrown out there. So they got to take it down. And so um, it got competitive. It got to the point where someone ran 4-11, um, and uh, which is crazy. So we put up, like we said, we'll give you know 1200 bucks, and the offer still stands to the first person to break um, th- to break four minutes in a pair of blue jeans. And so kind of thinking about it, no one has really ever uh, like come that close because 11 seconds is a lot to shave off. So we always figure like we need someone who has run like it's it, sort of what we gathered was the, the time difference between like a person's PR and how fast they can run in blue jeans was something like 10 to 14 seconds. Um, oh. And so Johnny Gregoric kind of stood out to us is like, well, this guy I think has run 349. Um, so let's see what he can do. Or he's running like pretty fast. I think it might be 349. Um, let's see what he can do in blue jeans. And then also he wanted to raise money for mental health because his brother passed away um, unexpectedly a couple years ago. And so he ended up running, uh, raising a ton of money. And I said to him, you know, like we, we will donate 500 bucks if you break the world record and then we'll, we'll donate like a thousand dollars. We'll give you, we'll donate 1200 bucks if you break four minutes and so eventually he ended up running 406 which I was there and I saw it happen and it was like I I had to be there sort of because like this is something that we conceptualized a couple years ago and and it was happening here in New York and it couldn't have been done by like a like a nicer guy so um, that was a lot of fun to watch and that's definitely been the highlight of this year and so he he ran 406 and we ended up donating a thousand dollars to to Johnny. That's super cool. So speaking of like athletes, how have, I mean, we were talking about how we've been handling, you know, COVID and the pandemic. How have like the Olympic athletes or just athletes in general, like are they, I mean, the Olympics are off till next year. Are they still training? Is like, did this throw everything off? Even, you know, the semi-professional runners, like what's the landscape with them look like right now? Yeah, people are still training. Um, And like people are still fairly fit, I would say, um, because, before you know it i mean some in a way time was moving so slow at the very beginning of quarantine just sort of like you you would the days would drag on and you're kind of everyone's at home and you're like ah oh, like it's just another day but then once everyone finally got into sort of like that routine at least like i noticed that like every day was sort of like wake up work uh run eat watch something on tv you know do a little bit more work sleep and repeat and so like when you get into the cycle time moves by a little bit faster so 
before you know it, it's going to be next spring. And hopefully, you know, this winter goes by safely and, and people take their precautions and we're able to get sort of like this pandemic under control. But once the spring rolls around, you have to be in tip top shape um, because one, we don't know how many opportunities are going to be to race. And then two, you have to take advantage of sort of like those opportunities um, in order to try and make like this this Olympic team. Um, so I think there's going to be quite a bit of pressure on athletes next spring. Um, but at the same time, like it's, it's tough and it still is, you know, there's some places where the virus is a little bit crazier than others. And so, um, yeah, but here in New York, it's, it's been fun. There've been a couple like smaller meets, people are doing virtual races together. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely the weirdest and, and strangest year for, for racing and for the sport in general. Yeah can say that again and for a lot of stuff so uh, a couple of weeks ago on our podcast we had sean gavigan who is the owner of prime time prime time timing so they do like all the big timing races a lot of like ncaa like championships drake relays right they do like iron man and stuff like that and we were talking to him about like what is the future of racing like are we gonna have drones tracking us and they're talking a lot right now about getting like real-time data on splits on athletes with chips on them so we know like hey this athlete coming around the corner is actually speeding up on the mile and has a chance of winning and what that can do for you as a runner and as a coach but also as like a commentator and a listener so you you're on this front side of it. you're talking to athletes, you're writing about it, you're doing audio kind of where do you see this like going with like, is running going to explode and become big? Is it is like, where, where do you see this going? Like, what's the future of running look like? Yeah. It's funny because like when I have conversations with some people, sometimes it's sort of like, well, how do we grow the sport and how do we make it like as big as like the NBA? And I'm a little bit more realistic and I'm like, it's never going to get as big as like the NBA <laughs> or it's never going to get as big as like even baseball, which isn't even like an A-list sport right now. I'd say mm-hmm. I'm a huge Yankees fan, but, but like I would not put it up there against like the NFL or the NBA in terms of just like the sport, it, like they're trying to make it as like entertaining as possible because, you know, I think maybe viewership might be down and stuff. And so I remember having a conversation with like a sports writer once, especially I think maybe when I was in college. And I, I asked him sort of like these questions because I was young and I had these bright eyes sort of like I, I want the sport to be, you know, the next big thing. And sort of the way he outlined it to me was that. If you look at a track meet 70 like in the 70s like it was run very similarly to the way they are now. If you watch an NBA game from the 70s and you watch an NBA game now, they're definitely totally different. And so some sports have just done like a much better job of being innovative and keeping like audiences engaged. So, you know, my optimism level about like it growing to that level is just not there anymore. But, um, you know, I, I think for the people who are running fans, like there's a lot to still get super excited about. Um, you know, I think one of the cool things we saw this year was when Josh Richep, the guy is breaking these world records on the track. Um, he has like the, the wave, uh, the, the wave lights that are like, uh, pacing him sort of. And so like that kind of technology I found like mm-hmm. super interesting and we'll see like what kind of a difference that makes. Obviously there's a lot of talk about shoes and that kind of stuff, but you know, to your point, sort of like when you, when you're watching a broadcast, you have to like make it a little bit interesting. And you know, when we get tied up in, in terms of just like, times and chasing world records it it can sometimes be tough to watch a race and be like well it wasn't that fast like the world record is like so much faster um 
I did see a, a tweet recently, I think, where Des Linden or someone said um, that it would be super cool to just, like, forget about, you know, sort of, like, the winning time. I think the way maybe you start talking about races on a broadcast is sort of, like, here's what the winner ran, and then you do, like, sort of, like, how they do, like, in NASCAR, where it's, like, plus 20 seconds or, like, plus 10 seconds, and you start to see, like, sort of, like, the difference of, like, yes, you have, like, the full-on time result, but it it's more about racing, and so I found that to be a little bit interesting just because, like, you know, there's so much talk about shoes and, and, and technology and that kind of stuff, and so you don't want to take away from, like, the athlete performances, so the sport has, you know, constantly its problems, whether it's doping or, or all this kind of stuff to, to, to clean things up. It's never been an easy way to, to sell it to, to just like the casual sports fan. Like I, I love picking Idaho as like my example, like what is going to make like a fan in Idaho tune into like a track meet on a Wednesday. If like they tuned, if they like scrolled and like landed on the, um, the Drake relays, it's hard. It's really hard because, you know, you could just scroll and find something else to, to watch. You'd watch. Maybe that person would watch a replay of a basketball game over, you know, <laughs> the track meet. And that's really hard. It's hard to, to, to say and realize, but it's true. That is that is a good way to put it because I bet many people would. And explaining races the way you even explain that with your conversation with Des, like that, that makes a ton of sense. And when you when people say like, oh, the winner of Boston was only this time, it's like that's so far off from, you know, uh, the record or whatever. And you're like, yeah, but it's the race. It's like when you tell them mm-hmm. like, hey, they're starting at this, this mile, like per hour, like the pace, and then they start increasing and dropping. People are like, that is so interesting. Wait, so they really end up running that fast the last couple of miles? And you're like, yeah, it's nuts. It's crazy. It's a race. Like literally, it's 26 miles. It's, 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 it's insane. So... We got a long ways to go. One of our goals here in Milwaukee is to make uh, Milwaukee a bigger running community than it is right now. So we got a ways to go, but we'll keep we'll keep pushing forward. So you brought up Des. So you had a great conversation with Des. We can kind of wrap it this up here, where you guys were doing like a whiskey tasting. Yeah, take us through where that idea came from because I think that's super fun, and we might have to try to incorporate that into one of our episodes. So there might be a part two coming up pretty soon. I was just actually t- talking to some of her people and like uh, breaking um, news, breaking news on the Cream yeah. City Pacers podcast. Here it is. <laughs> there might be there might be a part two because and the funniest part was it was just sort of um, this is peak quarantine sort of everyone's at home. You got to find something to to entertain people and so I thought it was a brilliant idea um, that Brooks had and they they reached out to me because I train in Brooks left and right um, and so. Uh, what they wanted sort of was just like, let's do a happy hour. Des is in Michigan. You, all, I was in New Jersey at the time. And, y- you know, you guys can drink the same whiskey or whatever it is. And so I said, I want to drink whatever Des is drinking. She's the expert. So, like, um, I managed to get the three bottles that she was going to drink. And we sort of, like, try. she sent over a bunch of notes to me, too, about, like, this is what this whiskey uh, how it pertains to my career. Like, this is where things get a little bit nutty. So this one tastes like peanut butter. And this is where um, things were a little bit hard. So this one's going to be a tough one when 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 you try and swallow it. And so um, that was really funny. And so she's brilliant in that kind of stuff. And so we're going to probably maybe do a part two um, to kind of recap what she just did, where she just ran like Destober yeah. every day, matching your mileage to the date on the calendar, which I thought was just absolutely ridiculous, um, especially insane. in that final week. Um, just impossible. I almost did Destober of like, I'm going to run minutes to match the day. So 
for uh, <laughs> for like uh, October 1st, I was going to run one minute. And then October 2nd, two minutes. And maybe that would be like the easiest. And I have to maybe go back. I definitely took a couple days off, so I definitely didn't do it. But I'm sure with days that I ran more than 30 minutes, I could probably like count it. But um, yeah, so it, it was fun. And listening back to it, I definitely got pretty kind of drunk like towards the end. Like <laughs> I think... I think at the end of the interview, I tried ending it like four different times. And then I would like have a di- another question and be like, well, well, dad's like one more, one more, actually one more final question. And like, um, so I tr- I'll try, I think the second time around not to get as drunk and also maybe come at her with a little bit more whiskey knowledge because, you know, after that, I actually like got pretty into it. Like I was definitely like a novice, definitely still am a novice, but would definitely pick up like whiskey more often after that because I was like, all right, well, I learned this from Des and I like this one and that kind of stuff. So um, sort of like now my drink of choice when I want to go out with, with buddies from time to time to like an outdoor bar or something like that is I'll order like a nice like old fashioned and that kind of stuff. Old fashioned. Now you're talking. Uh, you're talking Wisconsin. We like that. We like that. That's <clears throat> that was pretty cool watching that. I thought that was a, a cool idea too. So we tried to do. You were talking about running. You know the Des Tober. We uh, we beat Molly Seidel in the slow mile challenge this summer. So that's our claim to fame. We are Olympians because we beat an Olympian. Yeah, you get it. So I like it. Um, so you, you you've interviewed a ton of people and, and runners of in different fields and all different calibers. Like, how was it? Like, obviously you were probably nervous your first time like how has it been going doing more and more of these and is it like changed are you still do you still feel like you get the butterflies just like you did in your first one or are you like well a so i'll tell you now? like i i didn't get nervous like in my first one and my first one was oscar pistorius in 2012 at the uh at the new york city diamond league which is funny to think about now because like i'll never interview him ever again because he's in jail um in south africa and uh so like that's crazy to think about that's crazy but but the reason i didn't get nervous was because like i just didn't know much about track and Mm. field so kind of like to to summarize it super quick was i got involved uh covering track in 2012 because i stayed in on a friday night at marquette like decided not to go out um and i stumbled upon like a live stream for like a flow track meet and i watched it and i got hooked and i was and this is before the london olympics in in may and i was like well that was really awesome i want to learn so much more about these guys because they're probably gonna it was dathan ritzenheim ran like some 13 something 5k and i was like well that man might win gold at the olympics that's really fast because i'd probably run like a 20 minute 5k a couple weeks before so i had no real concept of like what was really good in the pro level so Mm -hmm. but i wanted to learn more because like when you tune into the olympics the casual fan watches usain bolt and that's it like kind of tunes out so i didn't want that to be the case and so I started studying up, reading up on like who was good and like watching old races and that kind of stuff. Uh, so I went and covered, I shot, you know, Ryan Fenton from Flowtrack like a DM or like an email um, in 2012. And I, and I said to him, like, I'm a journalism student at Marquette, would love to help out with the New York City Diamond League because, you know, I'm there. So it was, it was funny because I just wanted to be like up close and see like some of these athletes, like, um, and like because I wanted to get familiar with who was going to be really good at the um, at the Olympics, and so I didn't really know who was really that awesome or anything like that. So I had no reason to like get starstruck in some <laughs> in front of some of these people. Um, so when I went into like my first interview, just sticking my camera in around like all these other reporters, 
I don't even remember what I might've asked or if I even asked anything, I might've just like been in there. Um, and so like, I had no reason to, to get starstruck. And that kind of maybe like was, was good because I, if, if it was a Yankee game, I would have been <laughs> unable to like ask any sort of questions. I'm like a huge Derek Jeter fan. I think to this day, he's probably maybe the only person I wouldn't be able to really formulate a sentence around because he was like my childhood idol. But in track, it's never really been that case. The only, the closest thing was probably like 2013, I was out covering the Diamond League for Flow Track in the summer in Europe. And so I got to go to a press conference um, where Usain Bolt was there in Paris. And they, I, my goal for the summer was you got to ask Usain Bolt a question. You have to. <laughs> like, you didn't go all this way for nothing. And so, mm-hmm. um, when they opened the floor up for questions, my hands shot up. I was 19 years old and I spit it out some random, like I, I said something. It was definitely not a question, but Usain Bolt interpreted it as a question and gave me an answer. So it counted and I was happy and I was like, all right, mission accomplished. You asked Usain Bolt a question. Um, but that was that. So that was like the first time I'd interviewed him. And then, it, you know, same thing sort of happened a couple of weeks later in London. Um, he was passing by like in the mix zone where you come and talk to reporters afterwards and he parks himself right in front of me. So what happens is every reporter like comes around me. So then I ask a question. I'm like the f- first kid there to, to ask a question. And I'm sure he thought like, who's this young kid like in front? Um, and so it was funny because I asked, I asked something and got what I needed. Everyone else is asking a bunch of questions and I'm noticing from the corner of my eye that there's a bunch of fans like peeking over and like taking pictures. And so I said, well, you know, I'm not going to get like a lightning bolt picture with like Usain Bolt, like doing the pose. Uh, but I want sort of like a picture of this moment, especially because he's right in front of me. So as soon as like he starts walking away, I like run towards the stands and I find the fans who are taking the photos and I tell them like, Hey, you, I was like, you just took a bunch of photos. Right. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, uh, I'm like, you guys are not in trouble. Like, I just want you to send me those photos because <laughs> I'm I'm like right in front of him. And they were like, oh, okay, like what's your email? We'll send it to you. And I was like, no, 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 no. Give me your email because I know you're not going to send them to me. So like I ended up shooting like the guy an email and then he came back and sent me a bunch of photos of, of me talking to Usain Bolt and then me in front of Mo Fair. And so for 19 year old Chris starting off in the sport, like that was huge. And that was like a, a lot of fun. So I think obviously it's Usain Bolt and like the biggest star in the sport um, that that's maybe like the, the, the closest I've come to like getting nervous for like sort of an interview. But then, you know, last summer I got to interview him in New York city and like it was it was funny. Like we, we just talked as if we were buddies because, you know, that's kind of like the way I try and approach it on a podcast too. Is just like, I'm not out there, especially like now, like this is not, this is super casual, a lot of fun. Like I'm not out here to get like gotcha questions. Like, all right, are you doping and that kind of stuff? Like, I'm not going <laughs> to ask that on like my podcast is not the setting for that kind of thing. There are cases where maybe I have to investigate some sort of people, but I leave that for like me to turn into and flip the switch to be Chris sports illustrated mode. Mm-hmm. So yeah, with me, it's like it's it's a lot more fun when, and athletes seem to be a little bit better um, at talking to me, sort of because like one, I'm I'm a runner, I know what it's like to to go through and, and train really hard, uh, except for mediocre times, and then two, sort of like I keep it a little bit more fun. I'm maybe closer to their age, and so it's a little bit more casual. But yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say I get nervous. Like you could put a mic in front of me and someone else um, in the sport, and I think I'd be fine. 
And Chris, I, I have to say, you say that you're very good at interviewing, but I, you're very good at being interviewed as well. <laughs> this is one of the easiest podcasts we've ever done. You, we, you just go off and spill a lot of, uh, a lot of knowledge. One thing I do want to ask you, because we go through this with Alex every week, uh, we talk with somebody that inspires us greatly, uh, and it's on, you know, obviously it's on the local level, and it's not so much, you know, performance-wise uh, every time. But it's people that do a lot of crazy things in, in the business world or whatever the world they're in, and they also run. Uh, so how has that affected your performance? I just want to see if you see a correlation. Like every time you talk to somebody like Usain Bolt, and obviously not Usain Bolt because he's more of a sprinter. Uh, well, I guess you are a sprinter too. You do the, the mile now. But uh, like when you talk to somebody like Galen Rupp, how do you walk away? When you walk away, do you feel like you just got uh, an aura on you and you feel a lot better and a lot faster? Do you train better for the next week or two? Or how does that go? It's funny because like, I, I think I, the only time I was like super selfish and sort of like the, and like, I'm going to do something for work, but it's also going to be like for me was I interviewed Shalane Flanagan in 2000 and like 15, um, before the Boston marathon. And I asked her to give me like a mile by mile breakdown of the, of the Boston marathon. I was running the Boston Marathon just a couple of like that year. And so like I also wanted it because like if I get to learn about how to run the Boston Marathon from Shalane Flanagan, I'll be fine. And so um, I ended up writing like a mile by mile breakdown for Sports Illustrated. Um, but it's it's funny because I also went like maybe after that interview, a couple days later, went up to Boston, did a long run on the Boston Marathon course. And then when I actually ran the race, like I got to think about certain things where I'm like, that's the mile where Shalane said it was going to get really tough. This is the mile where you have to like kind of maybe slow it down, get ready for some of these hills. And so I got to replay some of that conversation in my head. And, you know, over time, like it's it, it helps sort of when when I have these sort of conversations with, you know, a Scott Fobble where I'm like, hey, I know what it was like, you know, at mile 21 of the Boston Marathon and, and this part of the course. Like, what's the when did you make sort of this move and that kind of stuff? And so, like, I feel like there's not too, too many people who kind of like can do that in like their sort of sport. Like, does does the top like baseball writer know what it's like also to to be like also you know hitting in the in the world series maybe maybe not so um but for me and running like it's such a universal accessible sport where it's like i know what it's like to run in the boston marathon i don't know what it's like to run at the olympics but i've been there and i've seen like how loud it gets um so there's there, there's some it's easier for me to put myself in the athlete's shoes and so i can do that and then like i also do it and then I take away from the conversations, like you said, sort of when I'll go into maybe a workout a little amped up the next the day after sort of like a really good conversation with someone um, or if I watch a race in particular and I'm like, all right, I just watched Donovan Brazier run crazy at the Milrose games. Next mm -hmm. time I'm running 800s, I'm going to think of my form and like, all right, I'm going to try and copy him as best as I can. I know it probably doesn't look as good, but in my head, I'll, I think I look better than, than I'm probably running. That's the best part about running. You always think you look better than you actually. Oh, hundred percent. So that's my favorite. All right, hey Chris, this has been this has been fun catching up and talking with you. So we're before we get out of here, we're gonna do our Cream City Pacers rapid fire questions. Are I'm you ready. Pumped. Okay. Yeah. So let's start out with what's your favorite route to run in Milwaukee. So 
I want to, I have to go back and do it again at some point because I miss it so much. I would run down Wisconsin Avenue uh, and just go straight all the way until I hit the lakefront. And then I'd go all the way up on the lakefront until, you know, I pass through UWM and then I keep going just for a little bit longer. And, you know, it's funny because when I would do these runs, like in college, maybe I wasn't doing more than like 10 or 12 miles at a time, but I feel like I get a, a really good, like, 15 or 16 mile long run and in particular some of the memories that stand out is like when I'd be on Marquette's campus running down Wisconsin Avenue like it's at the very beginning and the very end of my run I would usually run those stretches super fast so I could look really fast (laughs) around anyone who's on campus and on the street watching me so I remember that really fondly but Yeah, Milwaukee, like, even those parts, like, there's not a lot of, like, I love flat running. Like, I was just running in Chicago for a couple weeks. Every day was sort of, like, along the lakefront. So I'm a sucker for the lakefront just because of how flat it is. So I've got to go back and do it again because I really miss it. Well, we're excited to have you back. Yeah, and you can see a lot of Milwaukee, you know, in 10 miles. You can see most of it. So that's, that's sweet. Okay, so what's your favorite route in New York? Central Park definitely is like the easy cop-out answer. Uh, I love running in Central Park. Uh, I just saw some photos this morning of just how beautiful it looks in the fall with all the foliage. And so um, I haven't been able to get out there too much during the pandemic just because I live out in Queens. Um, And so like it would require me to get on the subway or on my bike. And then like I don't know where I'm going to leave my bike. And so logistically it's it hasn't been the easiest um but central park's definitely my favorite i've also run along the west side highway a bunch and so lots of memories there of like dying on tempo runs and workouts <laughs> but but definitely i would say central park takes it nice i i love new york my wife had like a conference there two years ago so i just took off work and went and like one day i ran from like the West Side Highway all the way down across the Brooklyn Bridge, had some coffee. It ran like 20 miles, but I stopped like every three miles and at a different coffee shop and had an espresso. That's like kind of my Amazing. thing when I go visit cities. It's like how you see the city and get coffee. Super cool. But yeah, Central Park is, it's so crazy when you run through it because being in Milwaukee, like no park's that big and you, everything is so big and it's so fun mm-hmm. to run through. So I like that. New York's a fun place to run. Okay. So let's say you are in Milwaukee. If you could bring one person to run with you on that route in Milwaukee, who would it be? Man, that's a oh, that's so interesting. They uh, can be, have to be like they could be dead or alive if that helps. Oh, okay. So because like I think my when I ask people sort of at the end of my podcast, like uh, if you could go on a run anywhere in the world with anyone from history, who would it be and and, and where would it take place? Usually I go like uh, someone turned the tables and asked me the uh, once, and I just like kind of blank because I'm like, man, I ask this question all the time and I don't really have an answer for someone. So <laughs> I think I said like Derek Jeter in Central Park, um, but now I'm I'm thinking like I probably wouldn't want to take Derek Jeter to to Milwaukee and run along the lakefront. Um, it would probably be like my buddies from that from here in New York because like um, like my best friend and, and training partner Ryan Welsh, who sometimes like co-hosts the podcast with me on occasion, like I'm sure he hasn't really seen Milwaukee, and I talk about it so much to some of these friends here in New York. I'm like, I love Milwaukee, and and the running is is actually super nice. So it might have to be like some my running crew here in New York. All right, bring the crew. Let's get it done. 
Okay. Let let us know when that happens. By the way, we'd love to definitely. Try. Oh yeah, we got to host you guys and do a proper show. You guys around get you get everything you need. Things have changed, so we'll still go to your old spots, especially over on the MU campus. But we'll hit up some other spots as well. Um, okay, let's see here. This is a fun one. What is your favorite pre-race pump-up song? Ooh, right now I so it's funny because I went on SoundCloud uh recently and i think i prefer sort of like some of these mashups and mixes as opposed to just like one song to pump me up so like during quarantine i just discovered like it's called big booty mix on on uh on uh soundcloud and so like there's 18 of them now they're each one hour long and so uh it gets me through like hour long runs and so it's just mashup after mashup and i just get pumped up every single time i listen to it but if i had to pick one song levels by vici is just like the easy classic um Mm. but i'm ah man i don't i don't think that would be it though ah this is gonna be so tough i'm gonna blank and like there might be bruce springsteen like uh, Radio Nowhere is like a yeah. I think that might be it. Like I can listen to that song and like get amped up like right away. Nice. Actually, we had uh, Supreme Court Justice from Wisconsin here a few episodes ago, and her answer was "Born to Run." Okay. Uh, and just to let you know, I do this thing where I kind of mix up every week's uh, intro song to sound like the answer to that question. So, I it will be uh, Radio Nowhere. Yeah, Radio Nowhere. Radio Nowhere today. All right. It doesn't sound easy. And uh, if, Now, usually we do ask, especially if we see books in the background. I see a lot of books in the background, uh, the backdrop of your uh, shot over there. Uh, any books you would recommend? They can be running books or books that inspired you to run better, longer. So I have to confess, I haven't read every single book that's on that uh, bookshelf. Some of them are definitely for show. Like, no one has ever really read Infinite Jest and, like, uh, <laughs> remembered it. It's, like, it's a definitely a book that you put up there and people immediately think you're smarter. So that was, like, a good thing. I, I bought it in college. And so it just sits there and, like, on Zoom calls, people are like, oh, my God, he's got Infinite Jest in the background. Um, I would go with my favorite book um, is The Sports Gene by David Epstein. Like, I think that's, like, my number one to recommend to people um, just because it's, like, it's not, like, a one narrative over, like, a, an entire book. Like, there's each chapter is totally different, and you're going to learn something new um, from it about, like, all the, the world's best athletes and that, and that kind of stuff. So um, Sports Gene, plus, like, David Epstein, like, the, the author of the book, was my favorite uh, writer at Sports Illustrated when I was in college. And so um, now it's funny to, to think, like, he and I, like, we DM constantly. And uh, it's really been a dream come true to, to have someone like him now be a fan of, like, the articles that I write um, because he doesn't write for Sports Illustrated anymore. And he, he puts out these amazing books like that one. And he has another one that came out this year called Range. Um, but Sports Gene is definitely, like, there's a photo of president obama like leaving a, a bookstore with it in his hand so that's how you know it was good that's, nice that is yes shout out to to barack by the way if he's listening um no <laughs> one more question about something that i see in your in your shot we asked the question of your favorite running gear but i gotta ask you first you're wearing two watches is that is that are they both watches or is one of them a whoop one of them's you, a whoop uh, okay. I have the I have the Whoop on the right, and then I've got my Garmin on the left. This is a sponsorship okay. for Whoop right now. 
Just kidding. I, I don't have a sponsorship for Whoop, so I'm kind of salty. When people ask me, I'm like, it's a fitness tracker. And then, like, they're like, it's very clearly a Whoop. And I'm like, no, it's a fitness tracker. Like, I'm not going to I'm not gonna give them the free ad. <laughs> I, funny, fun fact, I DM'd them on, like, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook last night and was like, hey, how do you do sponsorships knowing we're way too small? And I got some. I got someone to respond with an email really? address, press at whoop.com. If they like what you have to say, they'll follow up. I'm like, mm, that's better than nothing, I guess, but yeah. not a huge shot. Um, I'll have to reach out. <laughs> uh, everyone so wears what is, So uh, would one of those two be your favorite running gear? Probably the whoop uh, is, is probably my favorite right now because um, – it's done a really good job of tracking my sleep, which has been, which like normally is, is awful. I just like, I overwork myself, um, when, you know, I'm doing sports illustrated work from nine to five and then like I'll go for a run and then maybe find some pockets of time to edit or record podcasts afterwards. And so I'm working on like a newsletter every now and then. So like sleep sometimes doesn't happen until like 1am or 2am. And so, uh, but I've gotten better at it for sure, at least like within the last like couple months. Um, and it's definitely helped me, but yeah, I would say probably that's, that's my favorite. My favorite running shoe right now would probably be like the Brooks Hyperion, uh, tempos. Like I do all everything in those. So, um, that might also be like my favorite piece of like running gear. Nice. All right. And to round it out, what is one piece of advice you want to pass on to new runners? Ooh, to new runners. Um, I'm trying to think, I think it's find your people. Um, because, that's been like the big difference for me is finding people with like-minded goals and, and abilities. They, they don't even have to be sort of like in that same pace group as you. Like just the, the fact that you can get out for like a long run with another person and, and maybe halfway through it, you take off. And, 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 but at the same time, you both got out the door together at the same time. Uh, it, it helps keep you accountable and, it makes so much of that training easier. Like I, there's been many Saturday mornings where I'm like, I don't want to do 20 miles. And maybe, maybe I had a couple beers with my friends on Friday. Um, but because I already told someone I'm going to meet them at 9am, I guess I have to do this. And so you, you, you really work your way through it. And in the end, you'll feel better about doing it. Um, you helped another person out and, you know, it's another one to just check off in the, in the training log. So, um, I think definitely find your people and, uh, and you'll, you'll see some, some leaps and bounds in, in your, in your progression. I like that advice. I like it. Okay. So where can people find more about you or Sidious Meg, or maybe you're writing at Sports Illustrated? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter at Chris Chavez. Like, I think that's, that's definitely the place with with the most followers. But then if you want to see me on Sidious Mag, it's at Sidious Mag on Instagram. My personal Instagram is at Chris underscore J underscore Chavez. Like it hasn't, I haven't been able to get that changed to just my, my straight up name. Like even though the person I think who has, it hasn't really posted much. And then like people want to email me, it's Chris at SidiousMag.com. So yeah, no, this is this has been a lot of fun, and and I will definitely keep in touch with you guys because I miss Milwaukee. I got to plan out a trip for sure and get out there. Dude, well, let's make it happen, and we appreciate it. This was great, and uh, enjoy your running over in New York, and we hope to see you soon. That was a lot of fun. Chris is awesome. Chris is awesome. Chris You're is awesome. awesome himself. You're, You're awesome. awesome. You're awesome. No. And this could have been an awesome 
three-hour podcast, but instead it was an awesome one-hour podcast. We could keep going asking this guy questions. But we had, yeah. We, yeah, we yeah. Had, we're all busy, so we got other things to do. No, Chris, thanks for being on the show. That was a blast. It was, uh, I think we brought a lot of memories back to Chris. You know, he hasn't been here, you know, since he went to school here. And it was cool for him to talk a little bit about New York, but also just like casually drop Des Linen's name. And so many things that we could relate to. Yeah, he talks to all these big guys, but, and he's doing extremely well when it comes to his performance, right? But, you know, the way that he started, the, the, the whole running group, how running with other people helps you. It just takes me back to how I met you and how I met a lot of my very good friends in Milwaukee through the Milwaukee running group. So OMG. You got to remember, we all start somewhere. You you look like, I look at Chris, it's like, Chris, you, you write for Sports Illustrated. You have this huge, you know, network of, for your podcast for Sidious Meg, right? And, and it all starts somewhere. We all have to run our first marathon. We all have to decide to start training. We all have to run for the first time. We all have to realize that we need good shoes. <laughs> and... I think we all go through that journey and we're all at different parts of that journey. Um, you know, you and I are on a similar journey because we started at the same time. But, you know, you look at some of our good friends who are dropping are dropping fast 5Ks and winning marathons to people who are just starting and are out there for fun and they don't care if it's if they're the last one to cross the finish line. And it's cool to see within our group and it's cool to see when in one of the biggest, you know, the Brooklyn Track Club is one of the biggest groups in New York. Like, we're all the same runners. We just live in different places. And on top of that, just to change the subject just a little bit, I want to accentuate one of the things he said about sleep that his whoop is helping him achieve. Uh, a few episodes ago, I did tell you that my my number one priority is my relationship with my fiance, Maria. My second priority is sleep, and then it's running right now in my life. Incredible impact that sleeping enough can have in your life. And if you have to do that through a whoop, or if you just have to whoop your own ass to sleep better, <laughs> um, then, then so be it. But absolutely uh, spot on from Chris. Yes, sleep better, people. It can do wonders great book by the way on that is um sleep better i think it's called sleep better speaking of books i want to do a shout out to our listener and future guest paul marr and his book the unforgiving line alex has read it i'm starting to read it now and i think that our listeners should read it before the show because we're going to be talking about the book and you should uh, read it and kind of maybe ask maybe send us questions that you'd like us to ask so we're giving you a little bit of a heads up it's going to be in the next few weeks we're going to have paul on so get get your book get your copy on amazon you can get it for kindle too so yes get it uh we're working on a date end of november so it gives you a, a three weeks to uh read the book it's great uh paul just came out with this earlier oh wow i'm gonna say earlier earlier this year but it was probably last year uh it's a great story it takes place in wisconsin it takes place in northern wisconsin um it's a really good book i have a lot i when i was reading it I was talking to Paul on the phone and it was it was cool because there's not many books where it's like you can relate to the fact that it was in Wisconsin and you know like the seasons and everything and it was it was cool I really enjoyed it so go read that book um otherwise I'm gonna take this from you how about you you talk about commenting subscribing and rating and I'll talk about the thing we just launched yeah just a little reminder to uh comment on our social posts we love to hear from you. Write us at creamcitypacers 
at gmail.com. Subscribe to us wherever you're listening to your podcast. Rate us wherever you listen to your podcast, especially Apple Podcasts. We appreciate seeing all those five stars. We got quite a few. So thank you to all of you that have already done that. Um, and yeah, if you have anything to say, good or bad, just email us. CreamCityPacers at gmail.com. And, and we launched our newsletter this week. You're like, newsletter? I read that and it was amazing. Well, good, because we got more coming. If you're confused, don't worry about it. Head over to CreamCityPacers.com and sign up for our newsletter. We're going to hit you with hot content in your inbox every week. Whether it's around the show, cool links to stuff we talked about on the show. So we talked about Paul's book. We'll link it in the book. But also we want to start sharing your stories and things that are going on in the community. So if you have an event coming up, if you have a cool running story, if you have something you want us to share, send us an email. We're going to start featuring you guys in that. So I love it. And I think this is also a good part for you to plug our pre-race pump-up song playlist our so as you know as you just heard every guest that we've had pretty much we've asked them uh what their favorite pre-race pump-up song is so we have a spotify playlist that you can get pumped up to before your run before your virtual race before actually before getting ready for work um it's it's a great podcast to get you pumped up with wide variety of uh, genres and it's called the pre-race pump-up song uh, Cream City Pacers pre-race pump-up song playlist. It's on Spotify, so just search for it. Pre-race pump-up songs, and you'll get uh, a very good, very good playlist to get you get you started. Ooh, and uh, go listen to last week's show with Tracy Johnson. She just uh, reshared our post today, episode If you saw that, and gave a shout out to Lisa, who's the common denominator between us three. And uh, Lisa just commented four minutes ago as I read this live on the show. Uh, dance emoji, dance emoji, emoji, dance emoji. So that's three of them. Listening right now. Always happy to make introductions among my favorite people. Lisa. Uh, I, I got goosebumps though. Lisa is one of my favorite people. Oh, check I this out. Whoa, this is really trippy because we're reading this in real time after we talked to Chris. She just commented on her own post that says, oh, nice. Seven degrees of Lisa. Oh, and that's insane. We just talked six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Lisa, I guess, has got the seven degrees going on. Seven degrees. I think I think Lisa deserves six as well. Six or five, even. She is that well connected within Milwaukee. Anyways, you guys, we hope you enjoyed the show. We hope you enjoy your weekend and your week. So like always, until next Friday, keep on running.